Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I'm with my guys, Rowett and Todd. Talk about some Formula One. And uh, we're going to start off with some veggies, and we're going to get to the meats. Anyone hear that? No, it, it's like a beeping. Uh, shh, there, listen. It's faster now. What? Looks like it's time to invest in a diffuse kit. Arby's, we have the meats. If that doesn't hook you, Genius. I don't know what will. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless you're on the keto diet, in which case, Damn you it, can definitely miss- skip ahead. <laughs> How you guys doing? That's all I ate. Good. That's all I ate on keto. Was veggies and meats, so I'm familiar. Ready to, you know, get into it. Let's get right, into before it. We, because... Before we get into the meats, let's uh, let's talk about good old Chuck Leclerc and his new contract, which is kind of like, it, it almost feels like smoke and mirrors kind of with this language and, and talking points on this, right? Yeah. I mean, so for full details, they signed Charles Leclerc to uh, a contract extension, which, but the strange thing was that it wasn't like a, oh, he signed for an additional two years or one year or whatever. It was an unspecified time. They just said through or past 2024, which I think he was, con- he was. signing a contract extension with apparently no expiration is you're either a Lance Stroll or a Ferrari driver, I guess. I saw one really good um, tweet that I want to shout out. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's an ex uh, Red Bull engineer. Um, Is that Brake? No, not Brake. The other guy. Uh, He's on a podcast with Engine Mode 11 or something. Engine Mode 11. There he is. He had a really funny tweet. He said, well, if Leclerc's going to be sad, at least he can be sad driving a Ferrari around Monaco. And I was like, man, that's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a, our, ever since we moved to Monterey, Cam and I, our, our just go-to saying is like, it's pretty not bad. You know, like <laughs> at the end of the day, it's pretty not bad. So you're still in Monterey. Yeah. He's got a, I have to say like, I think pretty much anybody would trade places with him at any moment. So. Except for race days. Yeah. Except I'll for race days, cap. obviously. Yeah. And, and that cap, yeah. anybody in Red Bull, but. Well, anybody in Mercedes, too. uh, Anybody in McLaren. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. you know, like... Sometimes anybody from Haas... Anybody in Haas would trade him seats, at least. Or kick Sauber stake (laughs) F1 team. Oh, yeah. I mean... But it's weird to have an unspecified contract. I, I don't know, like... There was an analysis piece that Lawrence Barreto wrote. It's like, why a less rigid deal makes sense. But then they doesn't even talk about the deal. It's, we don't know if it's rigid or not, or if he's got all these outs and Ferrari has all these outs. Like, Here's my <laughs> hypothesis. There is no deal. They're just doing this. <laughs> it has been made. Watch, he comes on Twitter tomorrow. It has been, I've been made aware that without my agreement, <laughs> pulls an Oscar Piastri to yeah. Alpine. Oh, my oh, God. No. Could now, you the imagine? The thing about this is... I think, like you guys, I don't believe any contract is worth its weight in Formula One because there are always these exit clauses. And I've always been quick to say the 
driver that would, in my mind, benefit from the greatest uh, scene change would be Charles Leclerc, but it's never going to happen. And there's a strange serenity that comes with it. And maybe, who knows, this is the thing that he's going to use to have his best season ever, which would be, what, second in the driver's standings? Or what? how high has Charles Leclerc gotten in the driver's standings? Because I would assume it has to have been in the last two to three years. It was definitely in the last two years, and it was either P2 or P3. I mean, didn't he lose out to Checo by a point at yeah. the end or something? Yeah. I mean, technically, he's tied for first now, right? Max hasn't won a race yet, so. <laughs> and he's yeah, tied for and first has, until the first And he's qualifier. beaten for, uh, with the all-important tiebreaker of alphabetical order. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> last time I checked, L comes before V. It is kind of interesting, though, because... I know we've had this conversation a little bit because Rohit's had that had his point about like where does Leclerc go? I just don't think there's a place for Leclerc anywhere else. That sounds weird to say because to your point, Formula One contracts are like as good as like you know feathers blowing in the wind as far as like stability, right? Like they're as good as crypto. Arby's. Oh, wait, we can't call them that anymore. Well, anyway, hold on to your hats for that segment, ladies and germs. The meat's come. Uh, for clarity, he beat Sergio Perez by three points in 2022. For P2. He was actually fifth last year. He got P2 2022. So that's his peak right now. The thing that I, I will say that I don't think that we've seen his peak yet. We all know he's a talented driver. He's super quick, especially in qualifying. He can let the pressure get to him in races. Think France 2022 when he just slid into a wall for no reason. Like, um, he he does crumble under the pressure a lot. But I think in the right environment, he might succeed better if they give him the car. Uh, we know the struggles of the Ferrari last few years. But, and this is kind of credit to Freddie Boy, Fred Vasseur, I think this is actually the first year that we're going to see his real influence on the team. Cause he took over last year for Mattia Bonato, Harry Potter. Um, I think we'll actually see his real influence for the first year this year. If that makes sense. No, it does because you have to take year one or year zero, if we want to call it that. And basically dust away the cob- cobwebs of the previous era. And as we know, Mattia Bonato, because he is the magical one, there were a lot of cobwebs because there was a lot of smoke and mirrors that went along with, him leading Ferrari to probably what was simultaneously their most entertaining, most impressive, and most disappointing year, which was the two years ago race, because I think they kind of regressed the mean in terms of expectations last year. Now, that being said, I do think Charles Leclerc, much the same way that the media has characterized him as being the prodigal son of Ferrari, there is one spot I could see him thrive really well, and that would be the eventual Lewis Hamilton replacement at uh, Mercedes. Yeah. See, I kind of agree with Nick. I don't... He has the nickname of the prodigal son of Monaco. Like, he is Monegasque. But, but is is there a similar, what feels like a biological uh, connection from Monaco to Ferrari? Because I don't think that. Like, he can be the prodigal son of Monaco at, at any of the teams. Like, But there's no added cachet of being there from Ferrari perspective, other than the fact that his godfather was scheduled to be a Ferrari driver, and I don't think he ever made it, if I remember my bit of Charles Leclerc mythology. I, I mean, like, I, 
he definitely has a Ferrari connection, had, has had it for a long time. The reason I, I think that there is kind of like this defunct tie, if the general public thinks of F1, they think of two things. They think of Monaco as the premier race of Formula One because of the spectacle, and they think of Ferrari because Ferrari it is the longest running constructor, and they uh, like they boast about being like so, so, being Formula One, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is essentially Charles Leclerc was created by the gods of central casting when it came to building the ultimate Formula One driver because he checks both those boxes really easily. And it would make sense to, lack of a better term, adhere to traditional norms by having him stay in Ferrari now until forever. Because that seems like the cruelest, most tortuous punishment a man can have. Well, so so just to play devil's advocate to that, how long, like, what's the worst Ferrari has ever finished? And how long have they ever not been near the top? Because I get that, like, you know, Lewis won for his streak max is on his streak you know seb before that but like the streakiness of formula one like ferrari's always in that top two three conversation in my opinion right they're one of the big three they've always been talked about that way right and even when like we don't feel they're competent on track or in the pits or you know strategy wise they're still right there the whole season somehow right like we've talked about it at length like how we we think like they should be completely gone because they've failed so many times. Yet you look and it's like, well, you know, Signs is like s- silently, you know, finished fourth and third for the last eight races consistently. That's the thing about that's that's really interesting. I know that Formula One drivers don't really think about these things long term, but I think that someone like Charles Leclerc and Ferrari are e- even if it takes them three, four, five more years to win the potential for them to win together with a, with him being like a committed driver to the team and Ferrari's just like, you know, overall legacy would be such a powerful, like long-term people would talk about that for, they're going to talk about that longer than they'll talk about, a lot of things that Max and Lewis and Seb have done because it's just kind of the, the way you think of formula one as a default, you know, the like Tifosi maybe will, right. Yeah. But may, may, and maybe, maybe like, that's an old way of thinking. Maybe like, you know, like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking that way because I don't know. I, the first place, I mean, I've got Monaco on the wall. Like that's the first place I think about with formula one absolutely has not been the best race in formula one for two decades, at least, you know, but, it's still the place that I think of when I think of formula one. It's like, if I, if I think of, you know, what do I want to do? Go to a Monaco race, like, you know, kind of to your point about the tweet, drive a Ferrari around Monaco. I don't know. Pretty not bad. Pretty not bad. Pretty not bad. Formula one at its essence is a luxury sport. And to your point, there's no race that captivates that better than, Monaco. So I totally get where that's coming from. And like I said, I'm a nouveau riche fan of Formula One compared to you two old money fat cats, but I am probably not spinning with Monaco the way I should, but give it time and maybe I will find a beauty in its inefficiency and its like historic oldness. But 
I'm really interested to see what he does next year because I think for me personally, he's going to be the single most interesting person to watch on the grid next year because he is now once again lumbered with what I consider to be another albatross in terms of expectations and now contract, however vague and mysterious it may be. I th- I think that he's also the reason why I don't think he fits with other teams is because it takes, I think it takes longer for drivers to be able to influence teams at this point. You know, like, I think if you look at like historical stuff with, with drivers, you know, like the Schumachers, the Senna's, the Prost, like all of these, you know, legacy, like best of goat conversation drivers they became very influential in, on the team at like day one or year one or year two, very early in their journeys, right? I think that Ferrari is a harder, you know, harder egg to crack in that sense or whatever that saying is, because yeah. look at look at how they've like forced the last few years, I mean, even beyond the last few years, probably I don't, I wasn't paying attention as closely 10 to 12 years ago, but I feel like the team itself has been very stuck in their ways. And I think that with Leclerc sticking with them, coming up, you know, starting with them, sticking with them, he's going to have way more influence on that team than any other driver. And I think that also with, Fred Vasseur kind of like on the other side of the business, getting things aligned is putting them in a position where, okay, now we have two people we actually trust that are essentially making decisions, making the calls where like Ferrari just hasn't had that. Right. Like, and and nothing against Carlos Sainz, like Carlos Sainz should absolutely be way more respected by Ferrari, but let's be honest. He's going to go race for Audi. You know, his dad just won the car. He's going to go race for Audi once Audi's in like, there's just no way that, that doesn't happen, in my opinion. Which car be- did his dad win? <laughs> What's that? Which car did his which, dad which win? Car? No, the car route. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's the air being let out of Carlos Sainz's tires, because we all know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's funny, not to change gears, but it's funny how it almost feels like F1 Twitter is like willing that to happen. Like, I haven't seen it in, like, any real, like, official, you know, like, journalistic way. Like, Wait, the Audi thing? Yeah. Oh, I haven't. So, I, I, I haven't seen it. Okay, fair enough. I'm I'm still, unfortunately, using yeah. it. No, no, um, he's, been, he's denied it every opportunity. Like, he's had but ample... It, mm-hmm. it feels like it's just coming from the paddock. Like, people are saying, like, oh, he's going to drive for Audi. He's going to drive for Audi. It's not like you know the race or or one of these other big kind of formula one um sites that yeah that that are like posting like oh there's been talks or ties or rumors it just feels like everybody's kind of like yeah let's let's see that happen almost like trying to press it to happen i think that's natural man the universe will do that for you on its own right like we all want to see Bronny play with lebron in la like i'm not a laker fan i'm a laker hater but I still want to see Bronny play with LeBron. But I also coming, think it's coming com- up in Formula One, even where did you think Mick Schumacher was going to race? Yeah. Everybody hoped that he would get into a Ferrari, right? Like, there's yeah. no question that he did we all wanted to see that. He got into a black, white, and gray, <laughs> and with a hint of red Ferrari that was just called a Haas. Yeah, exactly. 
Or do you mean like when he was driving for Team Russia? Allegedly. There's still a Ferrari engine in the back. Allegedly. The Axis powers. Yes. No, but I mean, it's funny you mentioned the rest of the paddock and the media wishing Carlos Sainz going to a different team because maybe they feel bad for him. Because in my mind, Ferrari would benefit more if they channeled their inner Carlos Sainz and not their inner Chuck Leclerc. Because we've said this, or at least I've said this probably every episode at least five times. So if you have a bingo card, put the space now. Charles, uh, Carlos signs his superpowers. He just puts his head down and drives, and he's no no nonsense, no fuss. He'll just kind of get through it. He'll get you that third to fourth. And while Leclerc may have a quote unquote higher ceiling, which I don't see, Science has the higher floor, and that tends to bode well for that team. And I think if you asked Fred Vasseur, dipped in a gallon of truth serum, who his favorite or more preferred driver is. I would not be surprised if he says Carlos because there's just a certain drama-free quality that Carlos has that Chuck will never have because of the pedigree, because of all these other weighted expectations we've bequeathed to him ever since he's joined the grid. For once, I don't think that's an insanely hot take. Like, I, I completely agree oh, with I you. Oh, I wasn't trying for it to be an insanely hot take. I mean, give me time. No, but sometimes you, <laughs> you, just, you get on a roll and you just, by the end of the, the speech, you know, you know, you never know where you are. Oh, I appreciate You're say that. Bru- I mean, Bruno yeah. Senna that was better than Ayrton someday. Yes. Uh, hey, um, while I've got you here, John David Washington will be a better actor than his dad, Denzel. There you go. There's my hot take for the episode. <laughs> really like Ballers and Tenet. <laughs> Tenet was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was pretty we're, sick. We're off topic. Yeah. We tend to be. Where the hell were we? We were talking oh, about... Oh, Chuck, Chuck. Chuck's contract and then yes. signs to Audi. Um, I... I it sounds weird, but like I'm almost already over this season. Like I have high hopes <laughs> for McLaren to be actually like the general public is now out of like 160,000 poll results. They think McLaren's going to be the most likely to challenge Red Bull. I don't think anybody's challenging Red Bull, but I'll be happy with a P2 and the constructors in my papaya. If that happens this year. That's a hot take uh, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Jensen Button said it's Mercedes that's going to challenge. So every British journalist <laughs> that's paid by F1 TV or Sky thinks Mer- Mercedes is going to be there, and I, they have a right to say that. But they got to show us something. Maybe we'll come with like a three-quarter pod design at preseason this year and be like, "Oh, we cracked the code." And then, nope. I don't based know. On, based on their pod design, our podcasting <laughs> duration will be directly related to that. So if they come up with a three quarters pod, every podcast will end abruptly at three quarters of one that actually finishes recording. <laughs> and I can make that promise to you, listener, because it's not happening. <laughs> Tune in next episode yeah. to see if Todd actually gives a shit about Formula One this season. <laughs> no, that's not what my point was. I'm really excited to see what another true. Three quarter cover. True, like, yes. What another true constructor in Formula One will do? Audi's got big money. The Vag yeah. is serious about Formula One. That's Volkswagen Automotive Group. Before anyone has has any qualms about how I speak, save um, this conversation before it dries up. Um, or but the money. I, I'm really excited for 2026. Six. I guess. Yeah, but then you are. Is it twenty five? Now I'm second guessing myself. I don't know no, if Audi's taking over team name or team the team until 
25 or 26. I think I think it's I, probably 26 with the new regs. Makes more sense. I thought it was 26, but they can start branding the team in 25. And if we're wrong, Iron Trev will let us know. And we yeah. can do one of our many. <laughs> Shout out Iron Trev. I love getting, uh, this is another tangent, but I get a text almost every podcast from either Aaron or Trevor saying, is it, what is it? Father oh. urges Father urges. Okay, it's probably gonna. It's, it'll probably happen. So, so now pops pops is in in the same corner without Audi. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You got a text from for context. From... <laughs> for context, Nick was just showing us his phone screen with an article of Carlos Sainz Senior urging his son to go to Audi. Yeah, as we all just went silent there. Um, it's always the fuck was I gonna say? <laughs> it's okay. Aaron, Aaron and Trevor you think text about it? you. Yes, Aaron they text me yes. every episode with their notes on our, the rebuttal to whatever bullshit we spout <laughs> off during the podcast. I love it. Here's the thing, Aaron and Trev, we're going to tell you what to do. Start your own podcast. Be a complete rebuttal. <laughs> Be the ether to our Jay-Z uh, song. And just fact check us every single time that you can. Because who knows? But my whole thing with the, Audi is... Wait, we, you we've got to encourage... The- the silencer uh-huh. to the exhaust notes podcast should oh, be their yeah. name. They the should muffler. just be called the silencers or the mufflers. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll run it. We'll just run it back to back so people can listen to them argue back. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. We need a, we need an around the horn or PTI, even though I think we have more around the horn energy, but what I will say this, we know Audi's coming. We know that they apparently they have truckloads of money. What will let me know how serious their intentions are is, if we all believe what's happening and we think it's going to happen, which is Carlos Sainz is going to be their driver, who's their number two? Because that will tell me a lot about what their aspirations are. Make Schumacher. You think Schumacher? Ooh, I have a that's feeling. interesting. Yeah, I didn't really and, think I mean, about that. To me, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. I just hadn't thought of that. Go ahead. I think I feel I know. I have a feeling, and yeah, F it, I'm just going to debut one of my hot takes today, and then we can refine it when we have the actual hot takes episode. I think half of the big three grid will be reversed, or will be completely replaced next year, and I think George Russell's about to join Audi alongside Mr. Sainz. I don't think so. I don't think, because they know they're losing Lewis. Are they, though? The next, like, he just the- signed another two, three-year contract. He's not going to... I feel like he's gonna about to pull an Alonzo. Like anything you can do, I can do better. Which would be the uh, pettiest move? <laughs> it would really be Alonzo like to try to be out petty Alonzo. But race into his forties. I agree with that. He's what thirty nine now. I don't think he's done in the next two three years, but he is done at some point. And George is to Mercedes as Signs is to Ferrari right now. He's a head down. Put in the work, but, get a quiet but, but before every race. He's got a little bit more, uh, he, what would you say, spice in his tea? Is that a British metaphor? If not, we'll make it one. And he's definitely he, not t- spicy. He's a hall monitor. He's oh, not- but he's the most <laughs> annoying hall monitor. Like, he's obnoxious in terms of how good of a hall monitor is he. I mean, there's a reason why he's the president or whatever. But it goes to this. If we think Lewis dog walks him like Lewis dog walked him last year, like, why should I retain George Russell then? Is it just the fact that there's nobody else on the grid that represents that potential? And I get that potential is the sexiest thing to an athlete, but 
eventually he's going to have to put Lewis away. Otherwise, in my mind, his career will never be what we expect it to be. Like he has always been spoken about in this hushed tone of he's next. He's the next big thing. He's going to take down the world. He's a future world champion. And the way that his career seemingly is panning out right now, he just looks like Charles Leclerc with a British accent, which is he's never going to get there. He has these emotional outbursts. And yes, he's a nice guy, but I don't see the ruthless killer I've always been trained to see, think about when I think about George Russell. I think that's, that's fair. fair. Yeah. I mean, I going back to the Audi side of that, I, I think it has to be Alex Albon. Like, he's the Ooh. most potential in the worst place. You know, like, he obviously is not going to get a seat at at Red Bull again. He's not going to get a receipt. Uh, not going to get a receipt. He's not going to get a seat in a McLaren or in a Mercedes. But I think he easily stands out from the bottom half of the drivers on the grid right now as, like, this guy could do much better in a in a better car. But could he? Because we have the Red Bull. He was in, what, the second fastest car at the time in the Red Bull? And he crumbled under the pressure more often than not. Yeah, he, but wasn't I agree he, with wasn't you. Wasn't he 19 or something? I mean, mm, he was young. Sure. I thought. 23 <laughs> now, right? Oh, is he 20? Okay, but let's say he's 19 then. That being said, I think of him the same way I am forced to think about George Russell, which is like, he's this great driver because I've maintained. Oh, you're right. He's, he's had 27. Two of the most, he's 27, so he was 23 when he yeah. was on Red Bull? Okay, cool. At the same time, I think this. He's done two of the most impressive things I've seen anyone on the grid do, which is A, that immortal... Was it even a one-stop that he had with Williams? Remember? The, or oh, no, yeah. he had no oh, pit stop. The, the, yeah. the last lap pit stop in Australia? But, yeah, like that was impressive. He's consistently gotten more points out of that car than anybody that I think... And that speaks to him, and dare I say it, he may be a top eight driver in the world if we don't look at the actual metric of success, which is points scored by a driver. Because I think that's more attributing to the car, not necessarily the driver. I agree with you. I think he's in the top half, if not higher, of driver talent in Formula One. I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, because of what happened in Red Bull, I don't know if, uh, if but he I can also, handle the big team. and um, I, I think he can just because of what he went through in Red Bull. And I think more often than not, people's coming, people coming out of the Red Bull program are often cast in a sympathetic light whenever they are in the meat of it or when they've left it. And I do think that his ability to handle it the best, and granted that's like being the shortest midget in or I don't know where the hell I was going with that analogy. Please don't cancel me. But at the same time... <laughs> Very tangential. We're also in preseason as well, listeners. So I'm sure the takes will get tightened up, as will my vernacular and my diction. But at the same time, like, he is going to, once again, probably be the most impressive driver not in the top three uh, teams. Yeah, but it's easy to, when you absolutely stomp a mud hole in your teammate by winning the, the... I don't even remember who his teammate is. Maybe it's some private dude. I don't know. But the fact that he was able to get that result in a comparable car to George Russell, ironically, the guy that I keep comparing him to this year, what was more impressive? George Russell's, any George Russell season in the Williams car or what Alex Albon did last year? I mean, I go, I go Albon in that, you know, but. 
Yep. Anyway, enough of my Alex Albon soapbox. If he joins Audi, then I have a new team of choice, which will be the Carlos Sainz, Alex Albon, Audi-led squad in 2026. Germans do it better. All right. Shifting gears once again. Yes. Let's talk about the meats. (laughs) I don't even know how to say it, so I'm going to let Todd officially (laughs) announce... You gonna put me on the spot? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Alpha Tauri. Moment of silence. With their overpli- overpriced clothes and strange modeling shoots with Yuki Sonoda, have officially changed their name to Visa Cash App uh, RB Formula One team. And it was speculated, I think we talked about it last week, that it was going to be the racing bulls, kind of tying them into Red Bull a little bit, going back to the Toro Rosso, which literally meant Red Bull in Italian previously. Um, The RB does not stand for racing bulls or Red Bull. It is strictly RB. So it's official that this is the the, uh, worst... Worst team name in F1 history. And and, and it, it was a very short reign for <laughs> steak. Say. Oh, wait. Kick. What the fuck was it called? Sauber Kicks. No. Steak. Sauber Kick F1 team or something of that order. I don't know. Mix and match. But they, they had the officially the worst team name in uh, F1 history for, I don't know, a month. And and then Visa said, "Hold my rich energy drink." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um. I mean, sponsors have always played a part in 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 team names, and I'm sure every F1. I know the race went hard on 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 this team name thing, but sponsors have always played a part in Formula One. It's a rich man sport. You got to pay the bills. I get that. All the big teams have them. Um. I think what Mercedes is Ineos, Mercedes AMG F1 team or something like that. Patronus, like the Patronus. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patronus. Um, but this, at least they have an identity. At the end of the day, Mercedes has Mercedes, Ferrari has Ferrari, Stake somehow has Sauber, which has a history in Formula One. They have somehow went from Minardi to Red Bull Jr. to fancy Red Bull Jr. with great liveries, charismatic drivers, to Arby's. We have meats. <laughs> like, a couple things. I, I, uh, yeah. F- future episode. <laughs> Contrast. Or doppelganger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like definitely that. do that. Yeah, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna actually like beep that out just so we don't give it away. But that'll be an okay. excellent episode. Yeah. Thank you. Every, yeah. every now and then, blind squirrel. Not. But this may be the high point of their season. As absurd as that sounds, like, what are we supposed to make of this? I mean, not only that, like you have arguably two of the most charismatic drivers on the grid as a part of that team. And even they are going to get overshadowed by this bumblefuck of a name. Yeah. I just think, like, how do how do announcers, 
refer to the team. Like, we're not going to call them. I mean, I don't know. Cash App RB. Or we call them the Cash App Boys with a Z. And like, I think they're just they're gang, gonna call them RB. Gang, gang, gang. They're gang, gang. On, on God, on God. No cap. We're all wearing caps. Ah, uh, sure are. I mean, so I always thought it was it was odd that they didn't connect the two teams, right? Like, yeah, they did the Toro Rosso thing, and it was like we caught we all know the ju- it's the junior team. Alvatore still kind of has it. Like, I would have just called like the main team the red bull team and like the other team the the blue bulls team or something but then it it would have turned into blue balls and it would have turned into a whole thing so of like good. it it would have been great but like they would have also never lived it down so they're going to be called the rb team just because i think we inherently as fans as broadcasters as whatever are going to be lazy and that just makes the most sense see but, but internally that, that's confusing which right I, I left that That's team out. Yeah, everybody it. refers to Red Bull RB. They are synonymous. Like are when they we, though? I've never heard. Yeah, Red no. Bull be... Okay. When we type it in the Discord, what do we type? If we're not going to type out Red Bull, we just type out RB. Everybody knows we type out AT for Alpha. Well, they shorten the cars, right? RB nineteen, RB twenty. Like those are the car yeah. names, right? So, yeah. I think they should still do it because this is the only way that RB team will win a race this decade. <laughs> Wait, which are, which RB? Exactly. Um, my point. The the I thing just hope they have curly it, fries. Yeah. <laughs> and that sauce, God, RB sauce, so good. Um, they you they're, they're internally known. Internally, they're calling themselves V Carb. V hyphen Carb. So which, going back to our keto shout out, that means they're not long for this world. <laughs> oh man, I feel like that's the. I somehow feel like that's the name that the announcers, commentators, etc., are going Whatever to adopt. Whatever Yuki or Danny Rick says, that's what they're going to go by. Like that first press conference where they're going to be up in front of, let's say, a thousand people and like, guys, how does it feel to be a part of a new era of racing? And Daniel Ricardo is going to BS his way through a, oh, gee shucks, guys, and I can't do Australian accent. I'm just happy to be a fan of whatever pet name he comes up with, and then that's how they're going to be christened for the rest of their existence or until a new sponsor enters the ring. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought the whole... It was just hilarious to see the whole rollout. Like, I tried to, like, repost as much of it as I could on the Instagram account, but it's uh, it was hilarious to see them, like, roll it out and then take it back and then come back and, like... <laughs> Then like I came back to it and it was deleted, and it's like okay, well now it's now it's back, but there's nothing there. Uh, and then like I'm randomly, the AlphaTory clothing account is like, thanks to the AlphaTory F1 account for all the years. And like if you tap the AlphaTory F1 account, that account is no longer because it's now Visa, Blue Ball, Cash Wrap, whatever. Like uh, I'm gonna call <laughs> it. No, I'm gonna call it the Mastercard Zell. <laughs> Carl's Jr. <laughs> There's no good way to put it. Like, yeah. Nick, you're you've been in marketing in in several companies. From a marketing perspective, I'd love to get uh, yes, uh, Yoltz's well input on this. It's terrible. It has no. The only reason it's burned in your brain is because of how horrible it is, not because it's 
catchy or fun or intriguing or anything that you would associate to marketing, right? Right. So I have to answer that in two ways. First, for the for the the average listener of the fans, yes, it's terrible. For anyone who's interested in sponsoring the podcast, feel free to throw out <laughs> Capital One Zell Exhaust Notes FM podcasts for Formula One fans. We're open to a lot of those types oh. of naming conventions. Don't listen mm. to Todd right now. The just direct Exhaust Notes podcast brought to you by Blue Chew. <laughs> Here's the thing. Hundred percent. When I had my college radio station, I was called the Lexus Nike Corporate Hour because I drove a Lexus and had an internship at Nike. What would be the douchiest thing That's to name amazing. my radio show? So it was the Lexus Nike Corporate Hour, and some hippy dippy professor was like, "I cannot listen to the spirit of college radio." Or some Yahoo has decided to name his show that, no matter how unironic he thinks it is. I was like, yep, uh, that's exactly who I'm going for. So you can now refer to me as Lexus Nike Road Malhotra, and I'll be okay with that. Isn't it funny? I, I, this is a little bit of a tangent, but college professors, right? God, I love them. But they have those moments, truly right? They never give up. Yeah, they never grew up. Right? And then, like... Not all of them, though, because I've met plenty that are incredible that have changed many people's lives by just being good human beings. But there's those few that are like just stuck in their ways. So I don't have a story directly, but my brother was in art school years ago. Mega Drive. <laughs> and uh, basically, he was he's like, I'm going to design cars i'm gonna design bikes i'm gonna i'm gonna draw cars and bikes and transportation like this is where i'm headed right he now designs you know for giro and the bike world and you know mm -hmm. very very deep into cycling right now so in in college his professor basically was like i can't remember what class it was it was but he was basically like a huge project and he was told like it couldn't be about cars it had to be more of a human experience or something like that, right? My brother pulled the ultimate fuck you by drawing himself staring at a picture of a Porsche on the wall in an art gallery. So the human experience was him looking at a painting of a Porsche on the wall. And it was this massive, like four foot by four foot, like watercolor painting. It was amazing. But shout out to all those professors that refused to. Yeah. Succumb to the man and yeah. his influence. Yeah. And speaking about succumbing to the man and the influence, like, are they, maybe they're the marketing geniuses because we are talking about this. And if we wouldn't talk about this, I don't think we'd talk at all about Red Bull or what are the, what were they called previously? Alpha Tower. <laughs> like, maybe that's the marketing genius in all of this is by coming up with such an absurd name, it can't help but get us to talk about it because we're not going to talk about them any other way. Sorry. It's short lived though, Daniel. right? Like I feel like I feel like if you're That's... really thinking long term, it's like it has to be something where you know, like the Patronus Mercedes AMG Formula One team, right? Like we all know that Patronus is on the front of that without saying it. And it's stuck, right? The problem with this to me is not only the branding that they created and all of the stuff that they messed up on the rollout of it, but like the Visa Cash App to a non-existent team doesn't help us remember like five years from now, like right now this season, they're going to get a bunch of buzz, right? They'll get three months of people just shit talking the name and then the t season will roll on and eventually people will 
either just refer to the team as the Visa Cash App team or whatever. But like five or 10 years from now, we're not going to associate Visa Cash App with this team at all, which is going to be terrible for, for the sport and for that team, whatever they become in the future. Like they're, What's the best case scenario for them that we call them the Force India of their time, where it's like they were memorable? <laughs> But, but they had they're... the identity of the, that's exactly to Nick's point. Force India uh, had the identity of Force India, right? And then the sponsors yeah. that were attached to that team, yeah, right. RB doesn't have any identity, so it's yeah, even yeah. more forgettable because there's nothing. Those sponsors aren't can't attach to any sort of team identity. In any way, really, like RB doesn't stand for anything. It doesn't stand for racing bowls. It doesn't stand for Red Bull. It's just RB. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to come up with something for the RB throughout the season, right? Like that—that that is like a miss to me. Like, I mean, even if oh, they were like, maybe that. even if they were like, oh, we're going to move completely away from the RB and the Red Bull thing, and we're just going to be like, we're the Visa Cash App Marauders. Like, at least that's a way that people can refer to the team and remember the connection to the specific team. Here's a billion dollar idea for them. Every race come up with a new acronym for RB. It has to be regional. It has to incorporate X amount of some sort of racing footprint. But like that's how you do it. That would be cool. No, that's uh, too I, that's too creative for whoever came up with this team name. That's fair. I mean, as someone who works as a creative in a creative space with a bunch of creative people, it's oh, really thanks. difficult to think about. You know, being creative without a big pile of money next to you and being creative with a big pile of money next to you. So I understand. <laughs> but uh, Todd, I think... Todd, just think you could be creative driving a Ferrari around Monaco or you can be <laughs> creative driving a Honda Civic around the Bay Area. What do you want to do? <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. As long as you get to wear that New York Rangers hat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Wear that in the paddock. Uh, no, I just whoever whoever they paid to come up with the marketing for this should be absolutely fired. The, from like you said, the rollout, the back back steps, the non name, everything. It's the one silver lining to this whole thing is their their color scheme. I think would look good on the livery because it's that kind of goes back to the Toro Rosso kind of royal blue. Yeah, with white and then the cash app like green highlights. I think it'll look good on the livery. It's gonna look stupid with the sponsors, but hopefully the livery is cool. Something like this. Let's go with the Al- Abalone LeBron James blue yeah, green exactly. hodgepodge. It's a great shoe. How come Nike doesn't sponsor a Formula One team? Well, if rumors are to be believed, we're about to enter. We're about to see them enter the grid in the next year. But I'll buy it when I see it. Yeah. And I think Puma's got that thing in a chokehold to say the least. It's the one thing they did right. Yeah. I mean K Swiss with McLaren was pretty good too. Just But I feel like the shoes were lackluster. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I think all Formula One sneakers are I mean, I say this if you have been in the Discord or uh, listen to sneaker history, you know that I'm obsessed with all racing shoes and have literally dozens of dumb racing shoes. But I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Like we saw it in the nineties 
and everything that's come out in the last few years, like there's been some interesting things, but it's been like one hit wonder where like it, it didn't sustain a season or, or it popped up and then we forgot about it and just never really held any ground. And the K-Swiss thing to me, I think they chose interesting shoes, but I think that not having the connection on the team or, you know, someplace visible, you know, that's a huge miss. But anyway, that's a rabbit hole we can go down another in another episode because it's a very deep one. Sure we enjoy is. our rabbit holes. Um, the uh, the rollout. I was going to go back. You, the rollout of that. I would not be surprised if it comes out that like there was just complete miscommunication or some some weird stuff happened. Like maybe there was back and forth with the team names or or something like that. Where you know it was just even Alpha Tori, even RB Junior, RB Junior Melt, like would be capable of doing a better job than how it was rolled out. And I'm sure like, that's not like picking on anybody that rolled it out or was as a part of that team. I just think somebody fumbled it and like, nobody realized it. I will pick on them. Please. It's what Todd does best. I (laughs) I will give them a wedgie if I ever see them. (laughs) I'm going to give them a squirrely, which is a wet willy and a swirly at the same time. And then I'm going to get upset because I have toilet water on my hands. So I'm going to... Uh, have you tormented or tortured friends, loved ones, siblings, or relatives? I, I mean, I feel like that's a very uh, deep cut for... Uh... Oh, I, I, I'm... <laughs> as a classic one-upper, I'm going to tell this story now. So in high school, uh, I was friends with a young man who decided... He was going to power rank all of his friends and he would let us know every week, like where we were in the top 10. And then because we were all high school boys, we turned it into a game, which was how high can we get on that power ranking list? And then as soon as we hit number one, how quickly can we fall off the list by doing mean things to him? So there were incidences where people would shake him while he was using the urinal. So it looked like he peed his pants. There were other times where we told every single girl that he had a crush with that he was ready to fudge and he had a 12 inch monster just with their name on it. And there are some other stories that if you subscribe to our Patreon, I will gladly tell you because as much as I like being the villain, there's some truly heinous shit we did to him. And I'm going to use this opportunity to apologize to you, Philip Motville, because I definitely don't want a Steve Buscemi (laughs) name dropped. I don't want a Steve Buscemi, Billy Madison situation where if he ever finds this podcast and he hears me talk about this and then I'm offering my Mia culpa now. I can see him cross my name off the list of people he was going to kill and then put lipstick on himself, just like Steve Buscemi did in Billy Madison. So, how about Lance Stroll? <laughs> What's he done? Speaking you of think bullies. Alonso actually bullies him behind the scenes? Talk, I feel like he does. About this, talk about this article, because I haven't read it, and I purposely haven't read it because I want to hear it directly from you two, because I was elected to lead, not to read. So tell me about this article. I didn't get through the whole thing. I just saw the headline and was like, wow. This is like Todd's dream article right here. We're getting the behind behind the scenes story of Alonzo's relationship with Stroll. And what was it? What's the the, the line is very unique or something like that? Oh, God. What the hell was it? I I want to direct what what relationship has Fernando Alonzo had with a teammate, which can't be euphemized to. And I made up a word, which was euphemism. And like euphemized too, they have a very unique relationship. It was very Sound, unique, yes. 
Yes, of course it was, because that means he was an asshole to the person, and the other person just let him get away with it. <laughs> Very unique. A.K.A., I used to be friends with him when his dad ran the team. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes this season. Um, I mean, he still does, but... Uh, I just want to know how much he got paid to do this interview and do this <laughs> article. Because all he did was blow smoke up Lance Stroll's ass. Like, granted, we know Stroll had a pretty rough year from being hurt in the preseason. I think he but missed he preseason. he still was a top 10 racer, was he not? If I remember the constructor standings. Didn't he get oh, top that's... 10? You're going to make me check again. Are they changing the I... name to the Wells Fargo Aston Martin F1 team? Or, I mean, yeah, but I think whenever maybe, teams maybe there's, this... there is a lot of money behind this. I don't know. Maybe... Bank of Canada? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Bank of Strolovich? First Canada Credit Union? <laughs> um... Where was he? He did. He got P10. Yeah, that's... With 74 points. Which was his highest performance he's ever had as a driver. So, for as much as we want to shit on him, and I don't condone I don't condone bullying unless it's done by Todd Yates, he had a very successful year. But did he? I am being very simple, and I'm being very much a layman, and I'm going to say, yeah, he finished top 10. Okay, so he finished top 10 in what started the season as the second fastest car, probably averaged out to be the fifth fastest car. No, Todd, don't go into the details. Don't go into the details, His teammate finished in P4 with 206 points. He finished in P10 with 74 points. I I think if you put any other competent driver, even Ratatouille or PG... Yeah, are you with me? Uh... He, they, they would have been at least a couple spots higher. Like, granted, the wreck set him back. He had to take a couple races off when he like broke his wrist. Or oh, wait, no, that was Danny Rick. No, he didn't what am take I thinking a single of? wrist because he didn't take I... a race off, but his his wrist was still jacked up. Whatever. There was a touching montage of like medical uh, autopsies, medical X-rays, and like rehabs that he. Had. Like right before, I think it may have been set to a Coldplay soundtrack. Like it was really tastefully done. Fix you, <laughs> fix you, my Coldplay. Um. Okay, so before <laughs> before you say anything more, Todd, listeners, I need you to leave a comment on any of the social platforms. If you follow us, Exhaust Notes FM everywhere or in the Discord. We need next episodes. But did he? Because Todd's. But did he? is going to be a thing for us going forward. Because I feel yeah, like dude. this is a common occurrence where <laughs> Rowett and I kind of justify, like, this guy is, like, top 10 Formula One driver in the world, Todd. But does he? did he? Like, yes, he was number 10. Yes, he Whoa. got his ass kicked by his teammate. But he's still way better than some of the other people on the grid. I was going to say, it's eerily similar to the Really that used to be on Saturday Live's Weekend Update. Like, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I will go down. He's going to finish below top 10. I'm going to hot take. Oh, no. Here's my hot take. take He's going to be the one remnant holdover into 2025. I think Alonzo's switching teams next year. Mm. I think if Alonzo doesn't get his win, he'll retire. For good? 45. Yeah. I think he'll (laughs) step back, go race to car or something. Why or IMSA, you know? or... Nah, I don't think so. I... Okay, I don't we're think... getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we have a next. Oh, we have a next season juice box bet already. Yep, Alonso retiring if he gets his win. Alonso the is caveat. the oldest F one driver in history, or no? Yes, 
Well, no, not in history. Uh, uh, oldest, oldest driver on the grid currently. I think, uh, was it Graham Hill? Yeah. Uh, so in the 90s? He won a race at like 49 or something crazy. I think it's if like... he wins a race, he's retiring within the hour. <laughs> no, he I might. He might just so. mic drop. I think he thinks he's going to win the championship if he actually wins a race. <laughs> In the beginning drug. of the season, I would agree with you, but it's a gateway drug. Yeah. Winning, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Going back to this whole article, were there any nuggets that explained and explored the unique relationship, other than the fact that it's Fernando kissing some Canadian tukis, so that way. He remains in good graces when inevitably that team comes to reality this year because I don't think they're going to be as good. No, there wasn't anything in there that I saw other than him saying, like, we have a good relationship. We talk every week. We talk at the factory. We talk at the races. We talk on the phone. So they're pin pals or whatever, gal pals, whatever you want to say. I'll buy five Kimona hats or Kamoa hats if they release the tapes. It's just like a Hillary Clinton situation. (laughs) I really want to know what those two talk about. Yeah, how does that conversation go? Like, I really enjoyed watching you race that one time when I was 15 laps ahead of you and I could see you on the... (laughs) Saw you on the big screen? Hey, nice overtake. That was such a bless-your-heart moment. Oh, you just overtook for P14, bless-your-heart. I mean, that was actually probably one of my favorite moments, though, because who else is going to be watching the... Yeah, like who else is going to do that? Like only Alonzo pulls that off, in my opinion. It was the car equivalent of tussling his hair and telling him if he continues to be a good boy, he'll take him out to ice cream this weekend. And I think, I, yeah, there's not much. I would say there's a uh, there's not much meat to this story. Uh, it it actually does feel a little bit kind of uh, a little cliffhangery hey, in hey, a way. Placement. Like what? <laughs> kind of kind of feels like. Uh, Leclerc signed a new contract without any actual information behind that statement. So, but it is really interesting because, like, I think the uh, the surprise to me is like, he, like actually hearing that they talk regularly. Like, if that's true, I mean, all these guys do talk regularly, right? But like, it makes me wonder if Alonso is just positioning himself to be a part of the team beyond racing, right? Like. Obviously, Stroll's Stroll's not going anywhere. I don't think you know. Even with with you know Dad out, I think he's still like a part of the team for the next few years. In my opinion, like he's probably well, he didn't sell. For clarification, he sold his interest in the car side of Aston Martin, not the auto racing part, not F one. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So he's still going to be there. Well, he's going to be there from. I mean, Lance will be there for many, many years. Then so. A lot. I can't wait for them to be rebranded to the Lance Stroll Racing, um, <laughs> which would replace RB as the worst name ever. Strollovich, <laughs> F1 team. I mean, that's even more memorable than... Yeah, it is. There's yeah. an identity there. Yeah. Just have his smoke show girlfriend be the logo, and <laughs> there you go. I don't know if that's the solution, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I'm allowed to have my one misogynistic moment for the. Did he? But did he? Yeah, let's just call right. it the did he of the week. Whenever we did see a result week. that we cannot believe, like let's say Lance Stroll wins a podium, we're just going to be like, and the did he of the week goes to Lance Stroll for winning third place in Monaco. Yeah. Did he? 
Yes. All right. Do we, got, to... we have anything else to cover in this episode? Unless somebody else Spain? has. Oh, oh yes. God. Yeah. We almost forgot. So for the best. Todd's another ecstatic. Sky, sky point <laughs> moment. I'm not, though, because, <laughs> I and I said this I'm in the Discord, <laughs> I'm not, it's weird because everybody hates Circuit de, de Catalunya Barcelona for the racing, even though they fixed the chicane thing at the, the last turn, it still didn't really produce good racing. Um, but they, it's now off the calendar. I don't know if they're still going to preseason test there. I think they should. Yeah, they will. Um, they, they, they might, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen anything on that yet, but, uh, they're now moving the, the Spain GP to, Madrid, and it's going to be a street track. And according to people that know, it could produce good racing, so we'll see. That's another so 2026 s- change, right? I thought it was for this year. Am I wrong? I thought it was, I thought it was this year as well. Maybe I misread it. Uh, Formula 1 announced Spanish Grand Prix will be held in Madrid from 2026 to 2035. Oh, Oh, wow. Built okay. around the world-class IFEMA, AFEMA Exhibition Center, 5.47 kilometers, uh, subject to FIA homologation and final design speculation, will feature 20 corners, projected qualifying lap time of 1 minute 32 seconds. The uh... Williams did a sim, like they built the track in the sim already and showed a lap of it. Oh, it really? It looks interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think so... the... Uh... The biggest talking point was they're trying to say that 90% of people that go to the race will take public transportation to get there, which would be... Well, that warms Sebastian Vettel's heart somewhere. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if it's possible for 90,000 people to commute to a race, great. is incredible, in my opinion. Like, I mean... It's automatically become one of my favorite races, and I really hope they make it. Yeah. I think that alone is worth its weight in gold. I can't wait for Formula One management to t- try to take credit for that in their like race to zero campaign. Like, oh, we moved, uh, sh- moved it to a street track so we could save carbon emissions from your commuting to a racetrack, and then include that in their Are you net kidding carbon me? They're gonna zero thing. That single stat for about a decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is like the most carbon neutral thing to do is to put it on consumers, right? It's like. <laughs> Well, statistically, I think it's like 70, 70 to eighty percent of like carbon pollution comes from like six big businesses or something or six industries, and like yeah. the whole thing is like, oh well, your individual carbon footprint is what's causing all this problem. So you should start walking instead of driving your car. You should start taking public transportation. You should don't start get mad at me because we sell cars. It's you yeah. driving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just because we have thousands on the lot for you to get a new one. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm actually excited about that, though. I I think, I mean, I I am one of the weird, I would say, legacy F1 fans that that really does like watching street circuits. I know it doesn't result in as fun of racing, typically, but I think it, I think I saw something about the cars getting slightly smaller in the next few years, too. Which you know, is that part of the regs in twenty six? I think there's like I thought I saw something that was like a little bit. We'll have to look at it for the next episode. But if 
I think Vegas actually has shifted my thinking more to being more open to street tracks too, right? There was so much action at that race. And when we looked at that map the first time, it was like, well, this is going to suck, you know, like <laughs> two miles straight. Yeah. And it turned out to be really cool. You know, like, I mean, maybe the, maybe the track designers for the FIA or formula one are actually, you know, competent starting to look that way. Here's hoping. Tilco was right. Uh, <laughs> Tilko's designed most of the tracks in the last like decade or so. I don't remember his last name, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not really feeling one way or another about this. Like, Bar uh, Barcelona wasn't a great track; did produce great racing. Vegas did produce a really entertaining race last year. Let's hope that keeps up. So maybe this will be another one. I, for one, don't want to see more street tracks, but I think that's the, just the way of things because they need to make each race bigger and better and, and brasher than the other. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to keep doing that and we'll eventually have like, you know, Silverstone, Monaco, and Coda as our only actual racetracks. They just don't produce classic racing moves in the sense. They can produce entertaining races like i think baku is actually a pretty good race every year um and that has a crazy long straight so yeah maybe that's the way it's gonna go but i just hope that they keep preseason testing there or at very least for my nerd video game self that they keep it as a an option to drive on in the f1 game because it's oh, like DLC. one of the, they better do something like that because it's super fun to drive whether or not produces great racing I feel obligated to say that F1 is committed to reaching net zero carbon by 2030, and Afima Madrid shares the vision to make the Spanish Grand Prix one of the most sustainable F1 events of the season. That was oh, so uh, they're already taking credit. It's already in there. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't yeah, scrolled. Yeah, I hadn't scrolled that far down in the article, but I just did, and yeah. I mean, you got to know they're on brand. Props to yep. them for for you know, if they are really doing that, I hope. I, I just hope it's true. To be honest, like that's the that's the biggest thing with all of these companies, like having uh, been a part of those conversations and then being a part of the lack of realizations to say that yeah. like we stopped doing that three years ago in multiple, <laughs> multiple times in my career. It's kind of yeah. like, I don't know, just be truthful. That's all I ask. Like it doesn't, you know, Seb will make it happen. It's one way Seb or another. Seb will make it happen. I hope, Seb so. we trust. I hope so. All right. Well, we're at an hour, so that's a pretty good stopping point, I think. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Um, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Diner, I miss you. Already, come yes. Back. Come back, Gunter. Like Somehow. Baby, come back. Yes. Is he on Cameo? Can we buy him for like five oh, minutes at God. a time? I know Zach Brown is, but I don't want him. I want Gunther. We have one <laughs> G-spot, as I like to call him. G-spot. <laughs> is obviously getting late, so... I'm gonna wrap that up. What wrap it up? I'm gonna wrap it up by saying, uh, let the, let wrap everybody up that know. Beat. How, wrap, <laughs> wrap it up, beat. Let everybody know how they can find you out, outside of the show. You can find me on Instagram at rodem13. Same on Blue Sky, Rohizi on Twitter. And because it's the preseason, you're not getting an only for me. You have to earn it, listener. <laughs> nice. Uh, Dadshoe.jpg on Instagram. And threads, statue, 
underscore JPEG on Twitter. Maybe I'll have a blue sky or a rumble or a mastodon or a Grindr. something grinder <laughs> or an OnlyFans by, by season start. We'll see. Cool. More ways to connect with Todd. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, but did he? Uh, you can find me at Nick Engvall on all the platforms. Uh, more importantly, Exhaust Notes FM everywhere. And uh, make sure you hit the first link in the description to join the Discord. And join the discourse in between the races. I figured out Todd's OnlyFans name. It's But Did He, but But is spelled with two Ts. <laughs> <laughs> that implies things being inserted into me, and I'm not sure I'm okay with that. At this Let's time, right we'll see. We'll right see what the, where the year end goes. End it right now, Nick. Whatever sponsorship we had, end it right now. Thanks yep. for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs> Peace.